The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, we're going through the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 19 today. Bert Harper and I, Alex McFarlane, and this is Exploring the Word, and we welcome you to the program. And, you know, I'm just thinking about the great uh, work that is the Christian Church and the Great Commission. And so, Bert, let me throw some names out here, because, you know, you and I both love church history. And um, what do all these names have in common? Names like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Catherine Booth, and William Booth, and Oswald Chambers, and Elizabeth Elliot, and Jonathan Edwards, and Billy Graham, and Charles G. Finney, and uh, W.A. Criswell, Vance Havner, C.S. Lewis, G. Campbell Morgan, Robert Murray McShane, and on and on I could go, Francis Schaeffer, A.B. Simpson, John Newton, John Stott, Hudson Taylor, Warren Wiersbe. Bert, what do all those names have in common? Well, brother, they are great believers. They were pioneers. Let me use that word. They were pioneers in each one of those areas uh, that God called them into. Great, great men and women of God. Missional, uh, directional, uh, godly. Alex, I don't know what all the words, but brother, that's some. Were you just reading that or were that on the top of your head? Uh, it's on the top of my head. I jotted down a few names, but wow. he, here's the thing, and I could have named four times that many, but ordinary people with an extraordinary commitment to the Lord Jesus well, Christ. Amen. Amen. And, and, you know, some of those people I've had the privilege of meeting over the years, like Warren Wearsby and uh, different ones and Bruce Wilkinson, of, of all the great people, and you and I, we've been very blessed to know some people who really made a mark, but they they never started out to make a, a name for themselves. I think about, you know, Don Wildman, uh, humble people, but passionate about the gospel, passionate about winning the world to Christ. And, you know, uh, I, I think about those names that have influenced me, and I know they've influenced you as well. Uh, folks, every one of you, you have a role to play in Christ's Great Commission. We're, we've been reading about Paul and Silas and Apollos, and we'll pick it right up. But you know what? Let me say, I, I really don't believe you're ever truly fulfilled in life until you know the Lord and you're with at least your abilities, your opportunities, you're serving the Lord. Bert, the, the most fulfilled people, the people that are for lack of a better word, satisfied, Amen. are the people that know Christ and they're living for Christ. That's where it all comes together. It really does. And in that relationship, it's real. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and in that relationship, he says, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm sending the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to dwell in you, and you're going to do great things. And and so, Alex, uh, this relationship is one that is closer than a brother. He's a friend mm. that sticks Amen. closer than a brother. He is the one that initiates. Someone is called him the Hound of Heaven. And uh, there, there's another song that's coming out. It's God's goodness is running after me. 
we were singing that Sunday in our church, and I was thinking about how good God had been to me. And, and Jen and I were talking about, that's my wife. For those that are new to this, my wife, Jen and I were talking and said, he wants to do good for us. He mm-hmm. runs for the opportunity to do good for us. And that's the God we serve, and it is fulfilling. And once you say yes to him, I just want to tell you, I believe doors open, opportunities present themselves. And and for Bert Harper and for Alex McFarlane, uh, the joy that we have of each day, Monday through Friday, coming and being with you on Exploring the Word is, is something we don't take lightly. And we know God has given us this opportunity, but we want to challenge you. When God opens that door for you, he has equipped you. He's given you all things that you need for life and godliness is in the present age. Follow him. Do his will. And that brings us to chapter 19, verse 21. Now, with that in mind, Alex, listen to what you just said, what I said. And I want to read verses 21 and 22. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he went into Macedonia, two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. I must also see Rome. Now, when this is happening, Alex, it's on his third missionary journey. He's headed back to Jerusalem and Antioch, but listen, he must see Rome. That was a vision, that was a desire. And uh, on that road to Damascus that day, I'm not sure he had Rome in mind. But as he traveled and as he grew and as he accomplished all the things that God had laid out for him, his vision expanded, did it not? Okay, I I don't know. I've lost Alex, and so uh, Brent will try to get Uh, him up. Are you there, Alex? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, well, you know, we're going to pick it up there in Acts uh, chapter 19. And, you know, Paul, he was committed. And things will happen in your life if you're committed and and undaunting uh, and you can't be shaken. He wanted to go to Rome, so he sent into Macedonia two of them that ministered unto him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. And the same time there arose, I love how this is written in verse 23, there arose no small stir about that way. Uh, (laughs) In other words, uh, the people got riled up, you know. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen. Now this is paganism. They're making these little silver idols, uh, of, of Diana, who they thought fell down from heaven, uh, f- from Jupiter. And they make this accusa- accusation that, um, verse 27, because people are getting saved, they're turning from paganism to worship of the Lord Jesus, says our craft is in danger to be set at naught. In other words, all of us Id- idol makers, he's going to put us out of business. <laughs> Again, yeah, praise God. Yeah, finances. Now, listen. Yeah. this is the second time that Paul has trouble with Gentiles. All the other times, it was the Jewish community, but this time it was in Philippi when the girl that was a soothsayer's best I can say it, and she was healed and brought out of that, and they lost money because of that. And now this, because of Demetrius losing money, 
Each time a Gentile a group had trouble with Paul, most of the time it had to do with money, Alex. Yeah, isn't that something? Yeah. And and there there are people that are willing to, as they say, sell their soul for a mess of pottage. Bert, there are some things worth more than money, isn't it? <laughs> Amen. God. It is, and, and here it is. And the whole city was filled with confusion. They rushed into the theater with one accord. Now, I, th- I think that word is so important. The apostles were in one accord, but those people that were coming against them, they're in one accord as well. Alex, isn't that amazing? That, you know, yes. for different reasons. So you got to look at the reason. Why are you agreeing with someone? Is it for the glory of God or is it for self-satisfaction? Here it was self-preservation, you know. Yeah, it, it was. Um, so there, there's an outcry. Look at verse 29 of Acts 19. And the whole city was filled with confusion, having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. Paul entered into the people, the disciples, they didn't allow him to do it. I think they, they feared for Paul's safety, didn't they, Bert? They did. That was the real reason. And listen, he had already told them in Corinth, I have many people in this city, and this city's not going to bother you. But this is another time. But Paul has already experienced great physical harm so much of this is protecting him because he's got more travels he's got more churches to plant he has more letters to write he has more people to see and so these are helping him and and that that i would call this accountability uh paul uh yeah he was he didn't want to dare be afraid but these people mm-hmm. saying there's a difference in you being afraid and being cautious here. It's time for you to be cautious because God's got something else for you. You don't need to go out there right now. So, Alex, I think it was for his safety, yes. Well, they, you know, a lot of these ancient Greek gods, uh, whether it be Athena uh, or Diana. Now, Diana is, is also called Artemis in some translations, but they— these pagan people who didn't know the true and living God, they looked to gods and goddesses for crops, for fertility, for protection in war and things like that. And, you know, on the one hand, we might be dismissive and think, well, why would they believe in some silver little thing made by a craftsman? Or why would they believe in some dumb idol? You know, D-U-M-B, dumb as in not being able to speak because it was just some carved statue. But, you know, here's the thing, Bert. You and I have said this. There's one way to go to heaven. There's 10,000 ways to go to hell. And I do feel a little pity. These pagan people that didn't know the true God, they didn't know Jesus yet. And they were vulnerable to believe in just anything. And so verse uh, 32 says that some cried out one thing and some another. The whole assembly was confused. And the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. The majority of these people in a theater just rioting, and they're against Paul. They're not hearing the gospel. See, the Bible says Satan is the author of confusion. Bert, we're living in a time of theological confusion because people don't always know the Bible. Or maybe they've had minimal exposure to the Bible, and they somebody told them to doubt the Bible or something like that. Wherever there's the absence of truth, the absence of God and his word, 
things degenerate into lawlessness and confusion. That's not just true concerning the Bible. It's true concerning society these days. And when you see the mass confusion, which leads to the lawlessness, which leads to danger, and this is the whole thing, and this is what was happening here. Now, what happens real quick, because we're about to come up on a break, 32, and they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward, and Alexander motioned with his hand, wanting to make a defense for the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice, cried out for about two hours, great is Diana of the Ephesians. I, th- mm. I think there were some anti-Semitic things going on here when they found out it was a Jew, yeah. Alex. Exactly. Folks, this is Exploring the Word. We're in Acts chapter 19. Bert and I will continue. Plus, we're going to take your phone calls. We'd love to hear from you. The number, 888-589-8840. If you've got a call and a Bible question, we'll hear from you. Stay tuned. And all my life you have been faithful. Amen. I uh, I have to tell you, I love that song. It it blesses my heart every time I hear it. And uh, when here in the studio, when it's being played, Brent, Richard, and myself, and Parker, we're all looking at one another, knowing this is this is awesome. The goodness of God. If you don't know God, I want you to listen today. There's a number that you can call. There are our partners. We want you to know this Lord that is so good. He is so, so good. He's a good father. He's a friend. He, he, is, he is what you need. And you can call 888-NEED-HIM, uh, and those people will pray with you. They'll talk with you. They'll help you and uh, come into that relationship with Christ. No matter if you're driving a truck, you're, you may be incarcerated. You may be uh, in your car. Uh, you may be at a desk. You may be at work. You may be uh, in a over an engine, a mechanic, but the radio's going, and you don't know Christ. Yeah. Listen, Jesus Christ, He changes everything, and uh, it's not an easy life. We're not saying that. Come and just it'll be easy. No, it's a good life. It's an adventurous life. It's a full life. And so, Alex, listen. At Twelve years old, Jesus Christ changed my life. Can he change a 12-year-old boy's life? He certainly can, absolutely. and he did. He changed your life, too, didn't he? Absolutely, absolutely, at age 21. And, you know, we were at camp last week in Indiana, and I'll be at camp next week in uh, South Carolina. Uh, here's a beautiful thing. When you sell like a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old, look, I, I see it almost every week somewhere. Young people, and, and they get it. They understand Jesus is real. They understand that Christ will forgive all their sins and that life has meaning and purpose. And uh, it's a beautiful thing when a person of any age comes to Christ. But, Bert, every human being, deep in their heart, they know it. And maybe somebody listening right now, you know you need to deal with God. You, you need to face up to the fact that God is graciously calling out to you. The Lord is drawing you. Today is your day, not to procrastinate, but 
but respond because God loves you. And one last thing, and I want to get back to Acts, but God doesn't want to come and mess your life up. Like <laughs> you and I were talking earlier, God wants to bless you. You were talking about how God has blessed you and Jan. Uh, Garrison Keeler, who everybody has probably heard of him, he, somebody interviewed him once, and he was talking about how uh, he learned God's will for his life, and he was a writer and a speaker. And he said God's will is so good that God's will is what you would have wanted for yourself if you had only been wise enough to know it. <laughs> Amen. And, Amen. And so it all begins with opening your heart to be born again, to be saved, and then growing in the Lord. So if somebody is listening right now and you think, I, yeah, I need to settle this, I really need to know that Christ Jesus is in my life. Bert, we've got a partner. People can pray, look, no obligation, no strings attached. But is is that um, 888-NEED-HIM? That's it, 888-NEED-HIM. And they're, they're ready. They want to. Uh, they'll tell you what the Word of God says concerning this relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, again, Alex, I, I just feel like testifying, I guess, today. He, he, he did bring me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet up on a rock. And you said, 12 years old? Yes, at 12 years old, he changed my life. He changed my direction, my focus. And uh, I, I'm like Bill Stafford said, the, the evangelist, he's going on be of the Lord. He said, he said, I got saved and I hadn't gotten over it yet. And uh, I, I don't want to ever get over knowing Jesus. It's his mercies are new every morning, Alex. You know mm-hmm. that. I mean, Amen. so we're, we're asking you, if you don't know Jesus, we ask you to come to know him. And you can call that number, 888-NEED-HIM. With that in mind, Alex, we're getting back to, to, to Acts chapter 19. And the city clerk, whoever he is, this is the second time. We have this happening in Acts where this Gentile leader kind of takes control and, and puts the crowd back in order. And notice what he says here in verse 35. When the city clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple guardian of the great goddess Diana and the image which fell down from Zeus? Then it says, Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly, for you yes. have brought these men here who are neither robbers or of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, let courts are open and their proconsuls, let them bring charges against one another. But if you have any other inquiry to make, it shall be determined in the lawful assembly. Now, Alex, again, uh, this is Bert. the second time this kind of happened. You know, quieting it down. Let's let's bring order to this crowd. Have you ever heard that phrase? Uh, there was something happening, but but clear heads prevailed. Yes, I like this town clerk. Uh, it's it's very interesting. Back in verse thirty five, the the word there, uh, grammatus, means a man of learning who was in a position of authority. But if ever a cool, rational, clear head prevailed. Hey, this guy, he says, look, calm down here. Uh, Otherwise, this day's uproar is going to be laid at our feet. But 
you you want to sue these guys? You have the law. You know, this is um, in verse 38. If you if you need to sue these guys, you can do this. But otherwise, let's just rein this thing in before it gets out of control. And uh, God bless this town clerk. He did. Verse 40 and 41 talks about it. For we are in danger of being called into question for today's uproar. There being no reason that we may give unto account for this disorderly gathering, he dismissed them, and they went their way. So, Alex, mm-hmm. it was quiet heads prevailing. He was the one. It shows you the power of one. Uh, you know well, what I mean? The power of one. He did this himself. He said he quietened them himself. He made the demand. He made the argument. He dismissed it. He took care of it. Well, let me just say this in verse 34, and then we need to get to Acts 20. But for two hours, the people just chanted, Great is Diana of Ephesus. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Bert, um, it was about the year 2000, over 20 years ago, and I was asked at a, um, interestingly, a Methodist university to be on a panel about sexuality. And uh, the moderator, there were about four speakers, and myself, and there was another Protestant minister, but it quickly became evident that I was pretty much the, the only one that was really biblically conservative. And this was a, about a two-hour discussion, and it centered around homosexuality and what the Bible has to say. And I had several pages of not only—I knew the Bible— but uh, mental health professionals, secular medical and psychological experts that were saying homosexuality is a bad thing. But every time the moderator would call on me to speak, several hundred students would start chanting and yelling and shouting. And uh, the bottom line, uh, nobody would argue or refute anything I could say, but I simply was not allowed to even speak because they would start chanting. And I think about, I've seen news footage of groups that are, you know, the, the, what I call the alphabet mafia, the LGBTQ trans, and they would get a hundred people to chant, you know, we're here, we're queer, uh, things like that. I think about, um, it's in the news about climate activists blocking highways, and this was in the news yesterday. Um, here's the thing, again, where people don't know God and people don't recognize moral boundaries, and people have no regard for truth or the God who's revealed truth, lawlessness, anarchy, riots. We saw riots throughout 2020, and one of the things we need to pray is for the Spirit of the Lord to restrain evil, because um, when things are so chaotic, I'm going to tell you why the devil does this, and then we'll move on. Satan does this, just to prevent people from hearing the gospel. Don't you think? I agree with you. And and I, I just want to tell you, lawlessness is one of the key things about the Lord's return. It is We don't know when it's going to happen because lawlessness is prevailing. It could come back and it could happen again. But listen, this is what's taking place. So we stand firm and stand on the word of God. And then because we live in America, we have a stewardship of our citizenship, and and we use that for good, just like the Apostle Paul used his Roman citizenship for good and for the benefit not just of him but for mainly the gospel, and we do as well. Well, Alex, we come to chapter 20. Notice what it says, uh, verse 1, after the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to him, embraced them, and departed to go 
to Macedonia. He did get out. It was time for him to leave. Now, when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece. Now, again, we're talking about many days here. Verse 1, especially verse 2, when he'd gone into the region, we're talking about him working his way through towns, through churches that had been planted. He comes to Greece and stays there three months. And when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Kind of threw him a curve, it sounded like, you know. They were yeah. waiting on him there, and he went the other way. And mm. uh, now notice this. Notice these names, and I want to read through verse 5. Yeah, and I, I love these names. I do, too. I hope I get them all right. And, <laughs> and so Peter the Ber- of Berea accompanied him to Asia, and Aristarchus and Seductus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby, Timothy, Antiochus, and Trophimus of Asia. These men going ahead waited for us at Troas. Now notice the word in verse 5, waited for who? Us. Let me Mm -hmm. see. Uh, Who's writing the book of Acts? Uh, Luke. So besides all of those, Luke is with Paul. While they were waiting, Luke was with Paul. I, Luke, I, you know I love him, and I know you do too. He is an amazing man, isn't he? Well, he really is. And, hey, i, I got to point out one name that is so beautiful. In verse 4, uh, Aristarchus and Secundus, S-E-C-U-N-D-U-S. The, the name means really like uh, lending or, or giving. And what's so interesting in world missions— um, let's say somebody's a staff member with a mission agency, and for six months or a year or sometimes, you know, a long time, uh, somebody will go to help out another work, and they've come up with a, a word. It's called secunding. That's a word you don't hear every day, but um, I remember I've I've talked to groups, and they'll say, well, we have a guy in, you know, Zambia, but for the next two years, he has been seconded to help start a new work in somewhere else. That's kind of a technical word, but it comes straight out of the New Testament, and it speaks of collaborative ministry, doesn't it, Bert? It does. Now, not only, uh, here's my throat, but anyway, not only the names, but listen at the locations. Berea, you remember something happened there? Oh, yeah. Okay, Thessalonians, Thessalonica, great church. Derby, that's real close over there. And Asia. Here it is, all these men. Now, Alex, what's Paul doing? He's, I'm using the word collecting, and that's not the best word, but all of these men are are come together to help Paul, and their identity, this, this sounds like an awesome group of people with all the different ethnicities, all the different, different, uh, languages, possibly them knowing other languages, at least different dialects. And yet they're there with one purpose. That Amen. is the issue in it, the one purpose, that Jesus Christ is glorified. Well, that that's true. And, you know, strategic people, strategic actions, strategic localities, it's building a foundation for the Great Commission and the ripple effect of, of one man. I mean, the Apostle Paul, it lasts to this very day. These going before tarried for us, verse 5, in other words, waited for us at Troas. And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Troas in five days, where we abode seven days. 
Now, again, Luke, the physician, is just so detail-heavy. This is very precise, isn't it? And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow or the next day, and continued his speech till midnight. Now, this is going to be a very kind of a famous happening in the book of Acts, isn't it? But they're having church, and, and it gets late, and it goes long, doesn't it? It does. Now, Alex, I, <laughs> I'm just going to take a personal privilege. Uh, everybody's talking about what denomination Paul was, you know. Uh, right. Most folks think he was a Baptist because he preached so long, you know. Yes. Yeah, well. <laughs> now, that's a joke, folks, if you're not. But it is funny. It spoke to midnight. Now, I want to bring up this is real. Uh, I know some people that in the Word of God, and they go to a to a mission point uh, where they don't get the training that we have. They don't have the radio. They don't have all the conveniences that we do concerning learning the Word of God, and they'll get a person there who is steeped in the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, and they gather around, and the guy who is preaching will get tired, and they'll and he'll be ready to quit, and the people are saying, no, we want more. We want more right, right, because right. they don't get it all the time, Alex, right. and they have someone there who is deep in the Word of God, sharing the Word of God. Uh, they want that to hear it, and they want it to be equipping them so they can go out and share it with others. Uh, that happens even today, preaching all the way to midnight at certain mission locations. Well, and let me say, in spite of life's troubles, we press on enthusiastically with undiminished enthusiasm. Uh, here's a guy that falls out of the window three stories high, and Paul has to take a break from the pulpit, raise this guy back to life, and then they resume. <laughs> but um, it wasn't a bad omen. It was just something that happened. And we just press on in a similar way, don't we? We do. 888-589-8840. Give us your Bible question. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You're my defender. Welcome back. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Alex and Bert. And the number, if you'd like to call in with a Bible question, it's 888-589-8840. And we are ready for the calls, and we're going to Arkansas and talk to Kelly. Kelly, welcome to Exploring the Word. I've got a question. I had a friend about the world of the Christian man, uh, he used to use that phrase, uh, Jacob, I love Esau, I hated to kind of go with his idea of predestination. And I was wanting y'all to kind of explain uh, where you are. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I just wanted you to kind of talk about that a little bit. Okay, Kelly, thank you. <clears throat> we don't like to hurt people's feelings either. Because I, we we understand some things. We believe, we'll, we'll get to that verse, Jacob and Esau, in a second. But listen, I, I agree, sovereignty of God is so strong. And then the accountability or free will of man able to choose is strong. And, and as human beings, we have a hard time putting those together. But our God does. Alex, that scripture, yes, I've heard 
Kelly, the one he used that his friend used, I've heard it as well. Have you? I, I have. And and let me say, uh, you got to understand the context a little bit, the, the larger context of this, that really God had so many plans. This is in Genesis 33, 9, which is really also quoted elsewhere in the Bible. Uh, but this story, um, God dealt graciously with Jacob, but Look, God did love Esau, but the the plan and the work in the life of Jacob was so prominent that it was almost like, by comparison, uh, Esau was almost ignored or hated. Not really, but let me say what, what you can't do with that is really get the idea that some are elected to go to hell, because clearly Old and New Testaments, Isaiah 55, uh, Romans 10, uh, Revelation 22. I mean, you get whosoever will may come, John 3:16. whosoever believes in him. So, Bert, um, those that are saved are predestined to ultimately experience glorification and complete conformity to the image of Christ. But I don't think you could use the Genesis 33 passage at all to somehow construe that some are predestined to go to heaven and some are predestined not to go to heaven. That's just an extrapolation that, that you can't legitimately get from those verses. One of our heroes that we, we quote quite often, Dr. Adrian Rogers, said such doctrine is not predestination, it's fatalism. And uh, I, I would agree. Listen, God, God knows and we can trust him. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Michael. Welcome, Michael. Yes, sir. Thank you for calling. Thank you for taking thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question is, I was saved at twelve years old and meant it with all my heart, but it but I I backslid, okay, for I've been through two divorces, but right now I'm back teaching Sunday school, I'm the discipleship director. I'm 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 back in at full force. Do I need to be saved again or am I okay? Michael, if you were saved at 12 years old, you're right. I tell you, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You've done that. You've shared that. The only way you would want to be baptized again or anything like that would be be simply as a testimony of God's goodness. And I've I've done that with people because they said, I, re- I know I was baptized, but I really didn't know what I was doing. I, I know I was saved, but I, baptism didn't mean that much to me, but not necessarily. Alex, go ahead. Well, first of all, Michael, God bless you, and uh, God bless you in your walk and service to the Lord. Now, if you were born again uh, and you trusted Christ, then you are saved. Now, there's your conversion, that's the time you make a decision to put your faith in Jesus, but then there's your walk, and, uh, you know, if you're, if you're not for sure, let me just say this, anybody listening, um, to be saved, you admit that you're a sinner, you believe Jesus is who he claimed to be, the Son of God, and what did he do? He paid my sin debt, Bert's, uh, everybody's sin debt on the cross, then you call on his name, ABC, admit believe, and then call out and just pray a prayer like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I do believe you are the Son of God. 
Lord, I'm trusting you and what you did as the payment for my sin. I receive you. Please wash my sins away and save my soul. You know, it's not so much the words you say, but the sincerity of your heart Amen. that you're trusting Christ. So if you want to make sure, but let me just give this one caveat. Take God at his word. First John 5, 1, uh, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And First John 5, 13, these things are written to you who believe that you may know you have eternal life. Bert, what, what I, I wouldn't want people to do is get on a treadmill of doubt and not have the assurance, because if you've put your faith in Jesus, you can confidently know that you are his child. Amen. It's not you. It is God. And right. when you throw yourself on him, like you said, Alex, with your whole heart, God looked on the heart. And so, so Michael, praise the Lord uh, that, that you're serving the Lord. And uh, again... Let your testimony share the truth. You've trusted him, and you have. Praise God. Thank you for calling. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Jamie. Welcome, Jamie. Hi. Yes, go right ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you for calling. Okay. All right. My question is Ephesians 6.12. When it says, it starts out and tells that everything you're wrestling against, and then towards the end of the uh, verse, it says the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. And some versions say he- heavenly realms. What does what is it referring to in heaven? The wickedness in heavenly places. Okay, again, we're talking about spiritual warfare, putting on the armor of God that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against rulers. These are all the realms of, of demonic realms. Just like God had order in heaven, Satan is always imitating. He has, I don't mean to say this, he has no originality. He just imitates what he is seeing and try to give counterfeits. So in the heavenly realms, you have all of these different positions of demonic activity that is taking place. And again, against spiritual of wickedness in the heavenlies. The, the mm-hmm. King James and others say realms and places. The, the Greek word, the Greek doesn't use that. It just says in the heavenlies, Alex. Yeah, that's true. And you know what's interesting is that um, it, it says spiritual forces or forces of darkness. Interestingly, in the Greek, uh, cosmic powers in the heavenly realms. What this is talking about is that there is a supernatural realm. Bert, there is, there's a whole reality beyond this physical world. Uh, there are angels that serve God. There are demons that follow Lucifer. The demons are malicious. They want to see us live and die without having trusted Christ. And that's why I understand, Bert, that's why I, I don't, don't get mad at people. Even atheists, and we've debated atheists, and we've had people call into this show. Um, you know, we, we definitely speak the truth, and we don't mind a good debate. But ultimately, we've got to understand that it is not flesh and blood, but it's, it's against uh, dark forces from the supernatural realms. But we are victorious in Jesus. We are. And, and so I would say, Jamie, you're, you're talking about demonic forces in different places, and in the heavenlies, it, it's not necessarily at the throne of God, 
but in the heavenlies. In other words, uh, they're going around trying to find a location for them to uh, bring havoc upon on this earth and even upon God's people. That's that's the whole idea. Thank you for calling. Let's go to Texas and talk to Charlotte. Welcome, Charlotte. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I, I have a question that's been really bothering me and heavy on my heart. I, I've been trying to find a, a, a church home. I used to work every Sunday, and now that I don't. And I met with a, it's a, a local Baptist church. I met with the pastor and his wife, and I've really enjoyed being there. But he, uh, and, and I've been baptized twice, once uh, as a young girl in like First Baptist Church and then again in Israel in 2010. And this pastor is telling me that I, I need to be baptized again to be a member of his church. And, and he gave me a lot of verses in the book of, of Acts and uh, for to make his point. But when I read the verses, it just reconfirms my belief that I am already in the body of Christ. And I feel like he's he's trying to get me to be baptized for man, not for God, because I've already been baptized uh, as a commandment of Jesus and given my life to him. Okay, Charlotte, thank you for calling. Sounds like those baptisms, were you saved uh, in that baptism? Uh, what I, I, I would ask this, let me say this. In Baptist churches, a lot of Baptist churches, for their membership, they want you to be baptized uh, into a Baptist church. And if you were a lot sprinkled or poured or something like that, they, they say, for you to be a part of our fellowship, you need to be immersed Alex, uh, what would you say to Charlotte? Well, uh, and I've pastored two churches and spoken in a lot of churches. Um, if you were a believer and you were baptized, I would accept your baptism. Like you say, you're a part of the body of Christ. You've publicly identified with Christ by uh, what we call believer's baptism. So, um you know, I if the question is, should I affiliate with this particular church? I'm going to say I think you have your answer, and and that answer is no, because they're not accepting your testimony and your act of obedience. And again, I'm assuming that you you knew the Lord, you understand that it's not water baptism that saves you, but it's the fact that you, uh, as Galatians three says, you're baptized into Christ through faith, and then you take that step of obedience by being baptized. So um, I don't know, Bert, I don't know the whole story, and I'm a little reluctant to be overly critical of a pastor, and I don't know the whole story, but I personally, I, I took members into churches, and I would accept that they had a scriptural baptism elsewhere. Did you, Bert? I did as well. <clears throat> and if they, if baptism was a part of salvation, in other words, they, they came from a denomination or a church that said, you had to be baptized it in order to be saved. We would take that under, after a testimony, we'd say, well, it would be better for you to be baptized again. And some would say, okay, uh, you were saved before that. Yeah, I was just, I was in that church, but I was already saved. So it's one of those Charlotte, Charlotte, uh, I would, uh, I, I, I agree with Alex, but if that's the church that you feel like God wants you to be at, uh, I guess I would come under that pastor's or that church's uh, laws, in other words, to say that and to be a part of that. I'd go where God wants me to, but I would question if that's the one or not. Okay, thank you, Charlotte. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Tommy. Welcome, Tommy. 
Thank you, guys. Uh, kind of follow-up to the Esau and Jacob question, and I don't want to be guilty of, of handpicking uh, sections of the Bible to go along with what I've already predetermined, but um, in Luke 14, beginning in verse 16, Jesus tells a parable of a of a man throwing a big dinner party, party, and he sends a servant out, he invites folks, and they make excuses they can't come, and then he says, well, go out to the highways and hedges and just bring in the sick and the crippled and whoever will come, and he goes on to say that so that my house may be filled. Um, is that not kind of giving us an insight into the heart of God and how uh, we have the right, even that those invited have the right to say no? Uh, what's your thoughts on this passage? I don't want to interpret it incorrectly. <laughs> Tommy? No, I think you're right on you're the You're right on. Go ahead, Alex. I, I, Tommy, yeah. I was smiling big time because you had it, brother. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this this definitely illustrates the whosoever will may come nature of of god and the salvation message um you know we've got a lot of calls we could talk a lot about this but i i think you're right on the money brother that that shows that god's invitation for salvation is to one and all his heart is for all men women to come to him that's his desire uh and don't say no say yes to him let's go to north carolina and talk to mark welcome mark Hey, just uh, quickly as time's up, uh, Acts, you're studying Acts, and I think this would clear it up according to what Peter was commanded by the Holy Spirit. You'd studied Acts 2. So if you'd read Acts 2.38 and share what he was told by the Lord to say how to get into his church. If you could just read that, I think you'd clear it up by God and what you've been studying. Okay. Well, Mark, listen, I the first thing is salvation. Listen. The baptism of the Holy Spirit happens at the point of salvation. It's called the indwelling part of the Holy Spirit, Alex. And then in discipleship, one of the first acts, if not the first act, act of obedience in discipleship is following the Lord in believers' baptism. And it happened all through the book of Acts, did it not? It really did. And, you know, it means being, you're baptized into Christ through faith. Now, then you can be water baptized, and the way the Greek reads is upon the remission of sins. In other words, once your sins are forgiven and you're a born-again Christian, one of the ways you publicly show forth that is identifying with Christ and his church. And so that's a great verse, but we want to make sure that we read it and use it correctly. Well, Bert, what a good show, and tomorrow's going to be Fire Away Friday, isn't it? It is Fire Away Friday. Robert, Jason, Ann, and Judy, we'd love to get into your calls. Call back tomorrow for Fire Away Friday. All calls, the whole hour, we can't wait. So we hope you'll tell someone about uh, exploring the Word, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.